This is the forgetting. It's about living with Alzheimer's, not dying with it, because the dying part comes later. This is just one of the many things, the many challenges that life throws at us and that we have to face together because we, we can't face it alone. You know, there's an expression at the Alzheimer's Association, if you've seen one Alzheimer's case, you've seen one Alzheimer's case. From WCAI Studios in Woods Hole, Massachusetts, and from Park Slope, Brooklyn, New York, this is The Forgetting, a podcast about dementia. I'm David Shank, author of the book The Forgetting and creator of the Living with Alzheimer's film project. This is season two, episode number four. We are recording this on January 7th, 2020, if that's a real year. It's been one month since our last podcast. And with me, as always, is my good friend and my brother, my co-host, Greg O'Brien, author of On Pluto, Inside the Mind of Alzheimer's. His book has that subtitle because Greg has early onset Alzheimer's, and he's committed to reporting his experience for as long as he possibly can. That's why this podcast exists. Greg, how David, are you? How you doing, brother? It also okay. exists. It also exists because of you and your fine work and your book, The Forgetting. Okay, keep talking. You told me you would pay me ten bucks if I said that. But ten bucks I, a word. You keep, okay. keep, keep. I yeah, mean that sincerely. Lay it on. Uh, everyone should read your book, The Forgetting. Uh, it's extraordinary. And and uh, you know you should talk more about it. Well, you're very kind. Um, I am. Um, my affection for you is only. Uh, tempered by my resentment about how wonderful a writer you are uh, and I can only imagine w what you were like before your brain was literally impaired so well you, you, um, you didn't you didn't um, mention the looks part either right because I'm better looking and I don't want to I don't want to make you feel bad about that okay all right well then that's fair that's How are you good. feeling? You, I know you've got you're recovering from pneumonia. You actually, we we're talking just before the 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 uh, recording started, and you actually sounded pretty strong to me. Is that how you feel, or no? No. Well, I'm kind of as I do get up for this. I'm on the heavy duty uh, meds. Um, I can't. Sp I, I can't even pronounce the names. They're Latin names. But um, what 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 happens in in this journey is it was with my mom who died of Alzheimer's and, and others in the family is that it, um, dementia breaks your body down. And uh, it, 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 it also, everyone thinks it's just about memory and that's just not, it's a stereotype that's just not true. It, when, well, you know this, David, but a lot of times um, people will say, well, they didn't die of Alzheimer's, they died of pneumonia or, or a stroke but but it's 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 alzheimer's related and it breaks your body down and you the immune system and as you know i cut up a frog in high school so people should look this up but your immune system um is compromised uh in in this journey and i get 
more infections, and uh, I, I, I have, uh, you know, bronchial pneumonia uh, at times, and um, this is coming off a serious fall that we talked about um, the last time where I, I got another serious concussion. But um, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, can I get you a Coke and some popcorn? <laughs> Right. Um, what about emotionally? Are you are you holding your own? Does does having the 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 pneumonia make it harder to keep your spirits up, or do you actually does it keep you more on an even keel? What's that been like the last couple weeks? Well, as you know, I'm a dumbass Irishman, and uh, um, I uh, um, I fight. You know, so uh, I have to. Someone just told me this joke about fighting, and and this guy was going to die, and someone said, um, you know, you should you should fight off Satan and 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 accept the Lord, and uh, and you need to fight off Satan. And the guy said, I don't know that this is a good time to make enemies. That joke just came to me. I don't know if it's funny or. <laughs> I, I'm Catholic and evangelical. If anyone's listening, so don't get pissed off at me. Yeah, you've, you've it's, got, it's a funny you've got joke. You've got bona fides there. It's a funny joke. But um, it, it, at some point, I don't know about today, or we get the the right people on, or or our guest today wants to talk about it, um, uh, to talk about how how this disease, dementia, breaks your body down, and. Um, and you know, kind of renders you useless at times. And so I, I haven't slept for many, many days. And uh, I take this inhaler, which I feel like my parents, like holy shit. I don't know if I could say mm. that, but I'm, I'm on an inhaler now, and it's freaking embarrassing. But um, and then you just lie awake and you watch television news. And um, of course, the TV news is just very depressing these days. So, yeah. Um, you know, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, can I have some popcorn? It's a it's a scary world out there. Um, so, let me just do a, a very quick uh, primer. I've done this a couple times on, on the podcast, but since you bring up uh, the, these other effects, let me just kind of do a 40 second you know explanation of, of what's going on there as we've talked about before we've got the plaques and the tangles the amyloid plaques and the and the tau fibrillary tangles that are disrupting a certain part of your brain at the beginning near the hippocampus but then those plaques and tangles do then spread around your brain in a fairly predictable fashion for when when, uh, when it comes to alzheimer's disease and um, and as as you're saying, it, it you know the brain is the nerve center for for everything. Every, people know that. So control and there are all these, panel. The, it, that's, that's right. It's 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 a control panel for that's got all these specialized centers. So whenever whenever the plaques and tangles get to a new part of the brain, they'll disrupt that part of the brain. So it's not it's not going to be a surprise at all medically that every aspect of your life is eventually getting disrupted it's just a matter of time so well the, uh, the doctors told me as I, I went to them over this and they said that you, you know your brain and your body are under siege is is you know I'm also fighting off prostate cancer and finding off advanced uh, depression and have spinal acute spinal sc uh, uh, stenosis and scoliosis and no feeling from 
my feet to my knees. Um, it is neuropathy, but it's complicated, the doctors say, by brain cells not going down. So they basically said, your your body can't fight anymore. It's, it's you know, no mas, or who was that boxer who said no mas once? Remember, the world I'm champion sorry, boxer? I'm sorry, I'm not a sports Apparently. guy. So. All right, so if anyone's listening, maybe they could write in. Yeah. They'll get they'll get a free book of yours. <laughs> That's very generous of you. That's and I'll, and I'll autograph it. <laughs> I'll get you back for that. All right. And your little dog um, too. I I think it's about time to to bring in our our guest. Uh we have a, a super special guest that we haven't uh I don't think we've we've revealed uh <clears throat> yet. Um I'll do a I'll do an introduction and then he'll magically appear. I, I, I've so look, been looking forward to having David Hyde Pierce on as as our guest. Uh, as as you all know from recognizing his name, he is a celebrated actor and director. You you could not hold in both hands all the Tony and Emmy awards that David has won. He's also uh, you probably know one of the most dedicated activists the world has ever known for Alzheimer's disease, for awareness, for improved care and for finding a cure. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to call him a, a personal friend. He's been, he's, uh, he's been so kind to me in all the projects that I've been in, in, so many of the projects I've been involved in Alzheimer's research for almost 20 years now. The other thing, and I'm looking at notes now, David is a psychiatrist, or at least he played one on Fraser. He played one. And I think he slept in a Holiday Inn once, so I think he's on the line now. True. I am a psychiatrist, and I did sleep in a Holiday Inn once. See? I told you. I'm not so stupid. All right, good. Well, David, welcome. I don't know if you heard my gushing introduction, but uh, it was if you didn't, it was, uh, it was over the top. You can just assume that. It's, it's probably better I didn't hear it, so, um, but I'll, I trust you. It was good. It, it, it's great to have you, David. It's, uh, I, I miss spending time with you, and uh, we've done so much work together, and, and I'm still in such awe of, of everything you've done for Alzheimer's uh, that we've, we've long considered you a, an absolute must for, uh, for, for the guest list of this, of this podcast. Um, what are you up to uh, recently? Let's start with that. Well, you know, first thing I want to say is uh, one of the things I've been up to recently is listening to this podcast, which I think is is such an incredible thing that you guys are both doing, each from your your uh, different perspectives on this disease. And uh, I can't tell you, I spent a long time, um, like you, David, um, in fighting for the people with this disease. And I just don't have words to express how important and vital and um uh i don't know essential what you guys are doing and greg what the way you have uh um i guess i would have to say devoted your life these days to this is, well thank uh, you david I, that means a lot so thank you thank you um and i've been uh you know i've been sort of plugging along i i, I live in new york city now and so i work i continue to work with the alzheimer's association you know, making appearances or, or testifying or whatever they need. I also work with a group here in New York City called Caring Kind, um, which is, um, like the association, a really effective um, sort of grassroots organization that um, 
most importantly takes care of people in New York who are dealing with Alzheimer's and their families and uh, dementia and all those things. So those are my my main focuses, focus I, folk I, um, folk music. I don't know. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. And what are you up to professionally, David? Just to to let us know. I mean, it's it's we we're all watching reruns of, of Frasier still, and we can't stop. But um, what's your um, what's your latest project? Uh, I'm in between two projects right now. I just got back from filming a, a, a movie with Russell Crowe down in North Carolina. Wow! As we're I don't know, I don't know when this will be broadcast, but as we're talking right now, Russell is of course he's Australian and he's back in Australia dealing with the devastation of the fires there. So, um, you know, our, oh our thoughts go out to him and all of those, his countrymen. Um, and then I'm uh, just about to go into rehearsals for a new musical uh, here at the Public Theater in New York City. It's called The Visitor, and it's, uh, it's based on a movie of the same name. It's a really beautiful piece that deals with um, uh, immigration and uh, the consequences of that. So a very timely piece of theater. Mm. Let's go. Let's go all the way back, David. Um, I, I know that you've uh, unfortunately got uh, a, a deep history of dementia in your family with your grandfather and, and your father. Um, when is it that you decided that you could, uh, in your own way, do something about that? Get involved, and, and what what was the what was the the moment there and the impetus? Celebrity Jeopardy. That was the moment. I was at that point. Uh, I had just moved to Los Angeles. I had gone from being in the theater to being on television, so I had started to have a bit of a name. Uh, This was in the early 90s. And the opportunity, they asked me to go on Celebrity Jeopardy. Mm. And uh, when you do that, whatever money you make uh, goes to a charity that you choose. And because of what my grandfather had been going through, um, I chose the Alzheimer's Association. And not thinking any beyond that one event, I just knew that that was something I wanted to support. And um, having done that, and that was on because that was on television, the uh, the local chapter, the Los Angeles chapter of the association, reached out to me, um, kind of like an octopus would reach out to you in the ocean, and uh, grappled me in. And uh, I have been happily with them ever since. About almost, I think it's 25 years now, roughly. D- David, this is Greg, and I can relate yes, when you say grandfather, because I think, as you may know, I lost my maternal grandfather, mother, father, and paternal uncle to Alzheimer's, yeah. other forms of dementia. W- what was it like when you saw the change in your grandfather? Or were you so young that you never saw your grandfather when he was whole? No, it was, uh, it's a good question, Greg. I was, uh, let's see, it was 1987. Um, and so I was, you know, a working actor in New York. And I, I remember that date because it was my grandfather's uh, 85th birthday. And uh, around that time, we had had, uh, there was a birthday party that we all went to. And I remember we were at a restaurant up um, in Lake Champlain, New York. Um, and uh, it suddenly became clear as my grandmother was going over the menu with him that he couldn't read it. Um, it was just one of those things that we realized, oh, she's kind of translating this for him in some way. And subsequent to that, there was a Christmas at my brother's house where my grandfather, who, among other things, was a wonderful chess player, brilliant chess player, and also uh, 
he was a builder of boats. He loved the water and the sea, and he would build model boats from scratch out of wood, and he would build full-size boats that you could go paddling in on, on Lake Champlain and, and everything in between. And at this particular Christmas with my young uh, niece and nephews, um, two things happened that were shocking. One, for the first time, I think, ever, my brother beat him at chess. Mm. And But during that game, uh, my brother also noticed that my grandfather was moving the chess pieces in ways that they do not move, um, which, you know, is something that most beginners wouldn't do. And someone as, as experienced as him, him, for him to do that was very odd. And the other thing was that my niece, uh, who was very young, came in tears to my parents because she'd been given a very, very, very simple plastic model of a ship to put together. And my grandfather was helping her, so to speak, but wasn't unable to figure it out. And so those sort of gentle oddnesses um, before any of us knew anything about Alzheimer's disease, uh, um, those looking back, we now see were the things that the early warnings of that something was going on. Well, so it, it must have hit you hard, though, huh? I'll tell you when it hit me hard, Greg, uh, because he... Uh, there was a gradual decline, um, and I would see him. I was living in New York, so I'd see him mainly on holidays. I remember seeing him sitting in our living room uh, for, I'm going to guess it was Thanksgiving, and he was sitting in a chair, and he was um, pouring, uh, looked like he was pouring maybe a pot of tea into a cup of coffee, except there was no pot and there was no cup. Mm. Uh, this was just sort of happening in thin air. Then subsequent to that, my grandmother, God bless her, who was his sole caretaker, uh, and they lived about a half hour away from my folks, so that we were very much in touch with them, but she didn't talk about what was going on. And there came a time where he started to wander from the house, and she would have to call the emergency squad to come and get him. And obviously, my folks became involved in that process. And then there came a point where he wanted to go out and she tried to stop him and apparently he knocked her to the ground. And he was, you know, such a gentle man that it's uh, really unthinkable. Um, That's a hard and story. Of course they loved each other so much. Yeah. So he ended up going into a nursing home. And when it really uh, got to me was the last time I saw him, which was he was in the nursing home and people had put together, I think maybe my family had put together, um, a, a sort of book for him of, made of construction paper with cut out pictures of flowers and animals and things like that. And he was sitting in a wheelchair. His arms were strapped to the wheelchair, um, I guess, so he couldn't hurt himself or hurt anyone else. And there was this man who was such a wit and a chess player and uh, a sailor and all these other things, um, contentedly looking at the pictures in this construction paper cutout book. And uh, I guess now, in retrospect, I should be happy that he was safe and that he was happy. But at the time, it just destroyed me. Yeah, I remember my own grandfather. I was probably 10, and he, he, was, um, he was a New Yorker and uh, uh, huh. Upper West Side, and my dad was raised in the Bronx, and I grew up in Rye, Westchester, outside Manhattan. And um, he would, in his earlier stages in Alzheimer's, he owned brownstones. And uh, during the Depression, he went around and he forgave everyone who couldn't pay their mortgage because he didn't want them to lose their brownstone. 
and wow. it was that kind of guy and and yeah uh as as alzheimer's took over he would go from rye david on the train and take the train into the city and try to find where he used to work and in those days it was new york was different and a lot of cops knew him and someone from new york would get on the train and bring him home and you know little oh, by gosh. little he just he just and i'll never forget we would go over and my mom uh, I'm one of 10 kids, and there are three of us at the time, and uh, she would sit on the couch, and you know what those final stages are like. He wasn't making sense, and I came back one day, and um, all of the living, uh, the dining room furniture was gone, and there was a hospital bed, and mm-hmm. as these are memories, like you just said, of a kid, and it, 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 they, they, may, they, they tear you up, and I was wondering what the hell's going on, and my mom would try to explain, and one day um, I came back and uh, all the f- living dining room furniture was there. He had died and mm. something inside me said that life, excuse me, you know, you know, I'm sorry, David, but life, life will never be the same again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. David. Like I think of, uh, sorry, I was just going to say this image occurred to me because of course back in the old days, remember my dad describing this about maybe his grandfather or something. Uh, the dining room, that was where the person would be laid out, you know, when the family member died and yeah. it would happen in the home. And just the idea that all of this, you know, the furniture disappearing and the furniture reappearing happened in that room. There's something, you know, it just seems like it's part of that tradition of, uh, of our friends and family disappearing. Yeah. And he he was very Irish, you know, first generation Irish. So that's all part of uh-huh. the deal. Uh huh. David, are you still on the phone? Yeah, I am. And, and David, I'm. Uh, this is. Uh, I've now heard. I've known you for a long, long time, and and I've now heard a couple of stories I, I'd never heard before. But I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep pushing you until until you break. Can you talk about? Can you now talk a little bit about your dad? And because because it's one thing to to go through that with with a grandfather, but when you realize it's your own parent, and I don't know how how much I I, I don't know how how far he got into the disease before you lost him. But can you talk about can you can you now move one generation closer for us? Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll just to give you some context though, um, my. First of all, by the time my dad had dementia, and his, uh, uh, I had already been working with the Alzheimer's Association. So I was 150 billion percent more informed about dementia, about Alzheimer's, about all of these issues. Um, and, you know, most importantly, and this is something I go back to this um, podcast that you guys are doing, most importantly, I and my family knew that we weren't the only ones going through this horrifying weirdness, that this is something that happens. Now, that doesn't make it easy, but it, it, gives it, a, it gives it a place in the world to help you understand. So even though it was my dad and uh, for my brother and sisters and I, it was, it was very sad to see him decline. At least we knew in some sense what we were dealing with. So that's the first thing I would say. Um, and the second thing was, you know, there's an expression at the Alzheimer's Association, if you've seen one Alzheimer's case, you've seen one Alzheimer's case. 
because yes. it's always so different. And, and there's so many different dimensions, not just Alzheimer's, but because the brain is so complex, how it manifests, all those things are so different. And when in my dad's case, he had had um, uh, bypass surgery, like quintuple bypass surgery, and in recovery had a stroke, which did not affect him physically, but affected him uh, mentally. And he um, had a lot of the, you know, well, it's what, what you would call vascular dementia. Um, that is something that over the years started to clear up. Um, the brain uh, in some ways can heal itself amazingly and find new pathways to communicate. So, and so he went from, um, he was living in our house. My mom had passed away at this point. And uh, um, we had a dear friend come and look in on him, but he was able to get by and she'd leave instructions for microwave meals and stuff. And he was driving around town. And, and then something else started to happen, which um, we assume was probably Alzheimer's, uh, which was he started a second decline and he stopped being able to read the instructions or understand the instructions for the microwave meals. And he, if you, anyway, it, it became too complicated for our friend to deal with. So he went to live with my brother and his family and uh, continued to decline, was, you know, surrounded by people who loved him. And uh, um, they were able to find a, a, a wonderful um, uh, assisted living place right near them, uh, which ended up actually being better for him just because both of uh, my brother and his then wife were working and the child who was still at home had to be in school and they would have to miss either school or work to deal with crises with dad. Once dad was in this place, A, he was he had 24-hour you know, care. Uh, it was a very nice place. It was nearby. They could see him every day. And it was full of women because, you know, just demographically, there were, at that age, dad was in his uh, 80s at that point. Um, there tend to be more women around than men, and Dad was always a very social person, loved to tell jokes and stories. So, so that brought him out of himself again. In his last days, um, he he did not go the full route as my grandfather had. Um, he I think uh, got either flu or pneumonia or both um, in the nursing home and passed away, still knowing us. And going back to how I started this, because we had seen. The alternative because we had seen my grandfather go that whole route as sad as we were to lose my dad we were also relieved that he went relatively peacefully relatively um with us to say goodbye david um given the stories of your family and people listening and who are dealing with some of this and may be afraid to talk about it what would you tell them if if they have a grandfather or a mother or a father and they're seeing things that aren't making sense but they're afraid to bring it up, what you've been in that first person. What, what would you tell them who are listening? You know, I would tell them, um, first, first and foremost, I would say um, get in touch with the Alzheimer's Association. Um, they are all over the country. They have chapters all over the country. They have support groups. They have, you know, online um communication, 24-hour hotlines. Uh, there are many service organizations that do this, but um, the bulk of my experience has been with the Alzheimer's Association, and I feel like the, the bottom line is that they will let you know that you are not alone. 
and they will help you um, if you need a person to talk to, if you need some understanding, some context, if you need references to care, if you need anything. Um, I think that would be my recommendation as a, as a first step. ALZ.org and all the rest of the information would be there. I, I would agree. I've also been involved with Alzheimer's Association and served right. a while back on their early onset advisory board in Chicago. So you're awesome. right on with your points. Great. David, um, I have known you for almost 20 years, and when we first got to know each other, we were... Um, neither of us were middle-aged. We were, we were probably still pretending that we were actually young men. And, and now what I want to, what I want to ask you is, I wonder if you would talk for, for a moment about just getting closer to the age of vulnerability yourself now that you've seen this in, 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 in two generations in your own family and, and we're, we're all getting older and we're all, and I know we've got a, a guy who's actually living with this on, online. We've talked, you know, for, for hours and hours and hours in this podcast about Greg's personal experience, but there's also the very real fear of, for all of those of us who have family connections. And I wonder if you would talk a, a little bit about that for a moment. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the, Greg's experience is very particular because of the number of people uh, in your family and because you have younger onset. Because um, that one is, as you know, uh, unfortunately, um, there is a real genetic component to that. And um, uh, it's a much more, there's, there's a greater likelihood if you have that younger onset uh, Alzheimer's in, in your family that your chances are greater of possibly getting it yourself. I, from, you know, you can't have been in this business for as long, David, as you and I have, and not notice any time anybody forgets, stumbles over a word, pauses. Um, you know, if, if you can watch the political debates, you can be in a conversation with a relative stranger, or you can be just catching yourself. And um, I think, I think for me, because I have been so immersed in this world for so long, and because I have seen because I have seen the dedication of the people who take care of people with Alzheimer's and of the family members and of the people of the researchers, and it just I'm not afraid of it. I don't expect to get it, nor will be, I be surprised if I do, or, or some other dementia or whatever. I, I am able to, you know, in all the years of working with this, there's a, there's a juggling act that goes on. When you're trying to raise awareness, when you're trying to raise funding for research, there's a part of you that needs to expose the horrors of this disease and, and let people know, just sort of to shock them if they're not paying attention into how horrible this can be. At the same time, you also have to recognize that people are, and Greg, you've said this on the podcast, people live with this. This is not about the end. It's about 
the journey. It's about everything up to that point, because the end is kind of the same for all of us, whether you have Alzheimer's or not. It, you end and you go someplace. And, and you're right, so, just, just to interject, you're right about the yeah. fear because, and I've felt this way, uh, maybe it's the journalist in me, but if I fear, I can't do my job. And as Bugs yeah. Bunny once said, don't take life too seriously because nobody gets out alive. And fear brings you down. And you go ahead. You're so right on that point. I, uh, of course, it does. And also one of the greatest causes of fear is ignorance. Um, you know, I think the reason I think there's a reason that uh, Alzheimer's disease and dementia took so long to get attention and funding. And I believe it is a very similar um, uh, reason that it took so long for HIV and AIDS to get research and funding. And that's because, A, it was happening to people that didn't matter, which is to say, you know, homosexuals or drug addicts in the case of HIV, AIDS, old people in the case of Alzheimer's, because we didn't know that, Greg, what you're going through now is also connected to that. So that was part of it. And the other is just the fear, the fear of the unknown. And I think I keep coming back to this podcast, just letting people know, just hearing someone who has it talk about it uh, opens a window, you know, sheds light, brings in sunlight. Um, because, yes, as, as Bugs Bunny said, you don't get out alive. No one does. And this is just one of the many things the many challenges that life throws at us and that we have to face together because we, we can't face it alone. Well said, David. God bless wow. you for that. Uh, I, I'm, that was such a deeply beautiful and, and wise response. I, I'm, I'm a little speechless, but, um, I'm, I'm, and, and yet I'm not surprised. Um, th- thank you for all that. Sorry, David, I just wanted to say something about you because I'm, I'm sick of hearing about me. Um, <laughs> am I right that when you wrote The Forgetting, when you came to that subject, at that point, you did not have, as far as you knew, a, a family connection to Alzheimer's or dementia? Is that true? You're, you're remembering correctly, and it's only uh, in, in the last uh, handful of years that I experienced it directly with my, with my mother who, who passed away last year. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, I think it is amazing. It's one thing for people like Greg or even people like me who are, you know, surrounded by this thing um, to speak up and speak out. But for you to have the book that you wrote is so incredible. It is so comprehensive. All those years ago, 2000, 2001, whenever it was. um, But you it, the, the wellspring of it, as I recall, was empathy. I feel like there was uh, somebody you saw either in a park or someone in a cafe, and it just you just said, what the hell is going on? And I think that really deserves credit. Um, because also, now here we are, all these years later, look at all you've done. And I just wanted to not get off this broadcast without having said that. Well, that is very kind. It it makes me laugh a little bit because I I actually remember to I think the first or the second event we did together almost twenty years ago in in Los Angeles and it was a beautiful night and in a big beautiful room and of course they had packed the room because uh, because uh, one or two people had heard of you heard of you 
And you went on and on and on and on about my book. And I literally said, I am, I am uh, barring you from talking anymore about my about my book because so when you said you're you're sick of hearing about you I remember that moment almost 20 years ago where I was like boy now I'm actually sick of hearing this this incredibly kind and famous man talk about me uh but 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 thank you for saying that and and let me let me uh I mean we I could I could ask you questions for hours but I want I want to sneak just at least one more in and and then I'm sure Greg will have other stuff to say but um, you made a nice segue there about um, about what we've seen together in in really an entire generation now of being involved, you know, intimately in the professional caregiving and and awareness raising and fundraising and and research, you know, doing world in, in Alzheimer's. And if I imagine you have a lot of emotions about that and and a lot of observations, I'm sure you're not a, a little bit disappointed and even angry that we haven't come farther but but you're you're aware of all the terrific strides that they have made and of course it's very exciting that we're finally funding this at least a not insanely low level on a national level so uh, what are what are one or two things you want to say about kind of the difference between then and now in terms of awareness and uh, attention to this terrible challenge i remember uh, I was working with Maureen Reagan, the late, great Maureen Reagan, President Reagan's daughter, who was a fierce advocate for Alzheimer's uh, funding and research and knew her way around the government. And I remember, um, and this would have been, again, in the probably mid to late 90s, uh, I think we had successfully gotten half a million dollars in federal funding. And she, I remember her turning to me and saying, now we've got to get a million. And I thought, well, that is so greedy. I thought, we just got half a million. What are you talking about? And only in this last year, we're up to two point, what is it, 2.3, more than that, I think. Um, thanks to the concerted efforts of all of the people who have been uh, lobbying the government, the activists in the Alzheimer's Association, other organizations around the country, Break, but especially families, families going to Washington, walking into the offices of the people in Congress and saying, this is the deal. This is what we're going through. And uh, I, I also have to um, uh, begrudgingly give credit to Alzheimer's disease here because it is such a terrible disease and it has spread so far that it is in that way, our own best advocate, because as more and more families are touched by this, as more and more people in government's families are touched by this, then we don't have to make the argument anymore. It's making the argument for us. Um, and I think, I think that's, that's a huge change that I've seen over the years. Um, and then the focus of research has changed over the last few years. Um, and I completely believe that the reason we've been able to um, expand the focus of research is money. When, when I was starting out, uh, as I recall, the figure was we had enough money to fund 25% of the proposed research into what Alzheimer's is and how to cure it. Um, and, you know, just imagine going to war and thinking, so what we're going to do is we're going to fund 25% 
of what we need to fight this war. And, and fingers crossed, everybody. It's, it's unimaginable. Um, and so now, lo and behold, uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, um, amyloid and tau have been the focuses for years, and now they're expanding into inflammation and all these other causes and possibilities. Um, and the research is being shared worldwide instead of being kept in silos and on and on. Those sorts of breakthroughs, I think, are directly a, re- a, a result of there being resources. Well, You're absolutely right about that. Yes, um, and, and and thank you for saying that. And and, uh, and, and all all the best scientists will tell you that uh, they they still don't have enough. But 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 at least we're we're funding you know many of the of of the most promising uh, ideas and, and leads now. And that is that is uh, that is a huge change. Uh, I'm uh, as you know our wonderful uh, producer here, Sean Cochran, now has a lightsaber and he's. I do hallucinate a little bit, uh, David, and he's looking like Darth Vader. But I, I, I want to give you. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you. I don't know where that came from. I had no idea. But, yeah, I liked uh, it though. It's uh, my favorite part of the whole. Broadcast. It just it just came out. I'm, I have no. I don't know where that okay, came from. But um, David, you you really put a focus, and thank you for your wonderful, insightful words on what this journey is. It's about living. And I want to give you the last word here. It's about living with Alzheimer's, not dying with it, because the dying part comes later. And we need to encourage this world to, to, to live with it, which has been kind of the focus of my book on Pluto, and I know it's the focus of what you're saying. And can you end with just some encouragement to people who are listening about there are techniques and there and, 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 and there's there's strength and faith and anything else you want to talk about about and, and numbers of support of people and family about living with Alzheimer's? Uh, well, it doesn't go away if you close your eyes. And if you open your eyes and your hearts and reach out, whether that means you're someone with the disease who needs help, or you're a family member or other caregiver who's struggling with how to help. Uh, If you're someone who is unaffected so far by this disease, if there are such people, and lives in fear of getting it or losing someone they love to it, that's the thing. Open your eyes, open your heart, and reach out. Thank you, hmm. David. You're a busy man, and you're you're so kind to give us your time as as you always. I, I I said to people before you came on that I don't think you've ever said said no. And the many times I've asked you to to the many silly things I've asked you to do is is a part of <laughs> and helps for this for this cause. Uh, thank you so much for making the time, and it's great to hear your voice again. And um, and I uh, hope to see you soon. Thank you. It's a, it's a real honor to hang out with you guys and uh, keep at it. And uh, my love and best wishes to you both. If you're ever in Boston or Cape Cod, let me know. We'll All have right. some chowder. All right, good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David. Take care. Oh, boy. Um, now I remember why it's, it's, so, it's so intensely beautiful to, to spend time whether it's on the phone or in person or, or whatever it is with 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 David he uh, in in a world filled with beautiful souls who are incredibly articulate and I'm 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 still talking to the probably the most articulate and most beautiful soul 
Greg, that I, that in you that I've that I've ever encountered in this world. But but David also just you really really friends, stands I out. Guess. That's true. <laughs> That's also true. But uh, but boy, he. You know what I mean? In a world of of we we both encounter such amazing people every day in in this world. You know, scientists and caregivers and 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 activists and spokespeople, et cetera, et cetera. But but David really just he brings it he he brings it all. He's got the technical knowledge. He's got the the depth. He's got the memory. He's got the he's got the history. He's got the he's got the honesty. You know, probably more than anything else, just that that honest, real realness. And he he puts he constantly puts everything in perspective. And I, I it actually gives me some sort of comfort that that people like him, if there are any other people like him. Are, are a part of this cause that it, it giving it so much uh, heart and, and soul and, and, and wisdom. That, uh, that's how was, I'm feeling right now. Yeah, it, it, it was powerful. I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I don't know about you. Uh, you, you must be doubly exhausted because you're actually going through this. Um, so and I peed in um, my pants a little bit too, but that we're not going to touch it. Sean is saying I can't right. say that. All right. Yeah. Well, we're, we'll. Of course. Why would we tell the world? He put that? the lightsaber down a few minutes ago. The the Darth Vader. Uh, I mean, I don't. You know, I I always think of Sean as Darth Vader. So it's just funny. I, I don't know where that came that from. That. It just it just came, and I I just went with it. We absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna write down a note that we make that a, a new meme in the show that 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 Sean is for for some. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> for some reason that makes no sense at all. That that one of the nicest guys we've ever met is, in fact, our Darth Vader. Um, so uh, let let me do the the outro here. Th- that that is it for our our, uh, our our epic show today. Here at WCAI, our engineer was Dan Tridel. Thank you, Dan. As always, a little trickier this week than than usual. The Forgetting is a production of WCAI in Woods Hole, Massachusetts. Our producer is the great Sean Darth Vader Corcoran. Uh, the, uh, our theme music was composed and produced by Dr. Rudy Tanzi, who is also chair of the research consortium at Cure Alzheimer's Fund. Thank you, Rudy, as always. And uh, Greg, it's great to hear your voice. I can't wait to see you in person. And um, I hope y- you will it, it finally... Bring me that hundred bucks that you owe me. I, I I have it in Monopoly money and it's really good. I'm gonna make it two hundred. Oh my goodness! All right, well that that makes uh, me doubly looking forward to our to our visit together, and we will maybe we'll talk about I, I, that. I'm gonna throw podcast. on one of those little plastic motel houses that are the size of uh, my thumbnail. You are you are so generous. I know. Great to talk to you, Greg. I hope you continue to recover, and and we'll talk uh, and and hopefully see each other soon. Well, you bring me out of it, so thank you. God bless you, brother. All right. Best to your family. All right. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye.